0: Welcome to episode 31 of Books to Last. This episode, our guest is the epic Jen Agaton of the eponymous Instagram and YouTube channel. She shares with us a gloriously dark list of reads to celebrate this year's spooky season. I hope you enjoy it, and for all who observe, I hope you have a most happy Halloween. Jan welcome to the podcast how are you doing today
1: hello I'm doing great thanks for having me I'm so excited
0: I'm so excited to chat with you um just tell us a little bit about yourself introduce yourself to the listeners because um I obviously know you but they might not so it's good to know
1: (laughs) all right so hi I'm Jan from Jan Agaton um I'm sure you might have it linked. I don't want to spell it out. It's too much work. Um, But um, yeah, so that's my YouTube channel. That's my Instagram. I post about books, all different types of genres. Um, I have like, I mean, people know me for like my spooky aesthetic. Um, I've been posting daily on Instagram for years now. And I do social media marketing for a library
0: awesome dream job just so any job in relation to books
1: is just a dream job in my opinion (laughs) it's crazy I think about it every day I'm like how am I getting paid for this like this is my career right now
0: well i mean that's something and i definitely can second everything on sort of the instagram front because your like aesthetic is just amazing i just love your entire feed every time anything comes up i'm like yes it's very distinctive you know it's your post
1: (laughs) thank you that's the goal
0: (laughs) well um what are you reading at the moment are you reading anything fun we are getting into the lead up to uh the the spooky season the uh yeah for any
1: themed reading um, I'm reading my book club pick. Um it's called The Cosmology of Monsters. Oh, that's another thing I do. I have a book club called The Full Moon Book Club oh and it's run pretty much through YouTube. I make the announcements on Instagram, but our live show discussions are on the full moon of every month. And I just did a little full moon readathon because the full moons kept getting earlier and earlier throughout this year. So, yeah, but it works out because next year. Oh, my God, I'm going to talk forever because um, next year we were just Jordan and I were just talking about um, like coincidental like happenstances, you know. Yeah. So next year, August has act- has two full moons, actually. So I'm going to switch it back to having the discussions the month of the book club pick. So it all works out. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but a cosmology of monsters. I I don't know. A lot of people who have read it said they DNF'd or didn't like it. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I'm 120 pages in and it's giving fever dream. Like oh I don't know what's going <laughs> on. So it's it's supposedly about a family who can see monsters, and then some of them like they all have different approaches to it. Like some of them are in denial about it, just like ignore it. But then like our main character like, embraces it and like talks to his friends, quote unquote, and stuff like that. So I don't know yet, but
0: it definitely sounds interesting. I love the concept of doing a book club that sort of, um, I suppose, works around what the moon's doing <laughs> as opposed to just like dates, because that would be so boring. So what, why would you do <laughs> it? Um,
1: but well, yeah, that not sounds let the moon guide me. <laughs> like...
0: what well, I mean, people did it for centuries and it worked for them. So I'm, there's a good reason for it. Um, but yeah, that sounds great. And honestly, don't worry about t- talking forever. Anyone who's ever listened to the podcast before knows that. That's, that's definitely something I do. And that's the whole point of the podcast. That's what we like.
1: It's so weird. This is, a, this is only the second podcast I've been on. And it's so new to me to like know that my face won't be in it that it's just my audio so like i can't like my facial expressions won't even matter <laughs> so.
0: yeah when i first uh decided to do the podcast i did sort of toy around with doing it either as like a youtube channel with sort of like as like an interview sort of thing or as a podcast and I ended up falling on the way of podcasts because I only wanted to edit the audio because I knew I was going to struggle with it because I hate listening to recordings of my own voice or I try not to listen to it while I'm talking if anything so um I knew I was going to struggle with that anyway and I was like the idea of having to edit the audio whilst also edit what I look like on camera would be too difficult for me I don't think I could cope with both of those So I was like I'll just do the one and I'll just do podcasting <laughs> um, but I definitely find that like um it, it, it is quite funny because I do try to well I tend to laugh very quietly or silently while the guests are talking and I know there are some episodes when I've been editing them and I was like I was laughing so much the whole way through this and you can't actually hear me laughing because I was laughing so hard that you couldn't (laughs) hear it
1: yeah it's definitely different i couldn't imagine i don't know i don't know if i'd ever start my own podcast it's not really my thing personally but
0: they're they're very fun to just guest on to be fair i do enjoy guesting on other people's podcasts <laughs> yeah so uh cosmology of monsters is sort of your current read we are gonna get to talk about some books that you're slightly more sure on that you're a uh, uh, very much a fan of um so when we get into your list but uh for listeners who don't know the podcast um challenges book lovers from i think we're literally i could probably say all over the world now we've we've, we've gone to quite a few different countries <laughs> oh, cool. um uh to pick the five books they would take when cast away to a mystery remote location and we always let our guest pi- guest pick their mystery remote location uh, so where would you Jan, like to be cast away to
1: um i was thinking like scotland somewhere like as soon as i See the synopsis of a book that says, "Oh, an island in Scotland or like a remote whatever <laughs> in Scotland." I'm like, okay, auto read, you know. So I think Scotland somewhere. <laughs> Scotland's a great pick. I um a, f- a few years
0: ago, and I think it was 2020, um, I went wild camping in Scotland with my husband and my dog, and oh, it's wow. it's an amazing, it's just an amazing country. We didn't even get to see very much of it because we could only do four days, um, but. Uh, it was yeah amazing. So definitely a great place to pick. What are you thinking, um, building wise? Do you want a cabin or a castle? They do both. Ooh, <laughs> a cabin. I'm I'm a sucker for a cabin. Yeah. <laughs> uh so nice, nice remote cabin in the highlands of wind and wilderness. Uh, if I can talk, wilderness <laughs> of Scotland. <Yeah. laughs> um. Well, I mean, that's a very <laughs> sort of. Uh, can be spooky, can be cozy, can be a lot of different <laughs> vibes, kind of setting. So, um, what's the first book that you be taking with you?
1: Um, of course, A Dowry of Blood by S. T. Gibson. <laughs> if anyone knows me, if you've been, if you've seen any post by me for two seconds, I talk about A Dowry of Blood. Um, have you read this? I have not. It sounds sounds very. <laughs> So a surefire like- way
0: to get any book on my uh, TBR list is for someone to say that they <laughs> pick it on the podcast because they always end up skyrocketing right up to the top. But sorry, <laughs> I interrupted. Yeah. Go on.
1: No, you're fine. So this is actually the, I'm holding it up. I know they can't see, but you can see. Um I can see. So this is actually the indie cover and it just got picked up by Tor. Um, so it's re-releasing with a different, oh. uglier cover, low-key cover. <laughs> cover in October Um, but yeah so this is a novella and it's essentially a a reimagining of Dracula's Brides um, but make it polyamorous and you know polyamorous vampires there's a threesome scene Um, and no my favorite thing about it is the writing because not only is it like poetic, lyrical, all the good things but um, it focuses and like unpacks the like subtleties of toxic relationships um and i i haven't it's unmatched like i haven't seen any other author do it the way st gibson did in this book like it's those if you've ever been in a toxic relationship like it's the little microaggressions it's little subtleties that like a lot of books just don't talk about cuz they talk about the big you know like the huge physical abuse the verbal you know all that stuff yeah but this is like the little things so love that i highly recommend <laughs> Well,
0: it sounds fascinating, and it's so good that uh, it's so cool to hear that it's been picked up by um, Tor. I really like Tor and a lot of the things that Thank they you. they produce. They're a really good publisher. I, mm-hmm. I it's only since sort of um, spending more time, I suppose, in the book community and actually following publishers that I've started noticing threads of like, oh, a lot of my favourite books are are uh, published by these different right. publishers um and not these ones <laughs> and uh, so it's really cool it's been picked up by a publishing and then but obviously was like indie published in the beginning which is really really cool um when you say sort of toxic relationships do you mean sort of like specifically uh, from a romantic angle or sort of generally just uh um, toxic?
1: yeah romantic so the thing about this is that they never you just kind of know from the synopsis, I guess, and like word of mouth that it's about Dracula's brides, but they never mm-hmm. mention his name. So like, it doesn't give him that power, you know, the power of a name. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I'm actually rereading this again in <laughs> October. Or no, this this month. I'm rereading this again for the third time. It came out last year and I already read it twice. Mm-hmm. So if that tells you anything more, I have a canvas print in my bedroom of this cover mm-hmm because it's stunning so yeah um oh go ahead (laughs) I was gonna
0: say it sounds it sounds amazing I um I I always I mean don't get me wrong I I do enjoy the classic sort of vampire books but I do find that um especially when it comes to uh vampire romances it does tend to stray slightly more into romanticizing the idea of i suppose toxic and not very healthy relationships so i think actually addressing them in a slightly um more nuanced way is uh it's it sounds really refreshing because like uh there are many very very famous vampire books that we don't necessarily need to name <laughs> that do not do that and maybe romanticize those exact toxic traits that uh we we, we absolutely shouldn't <laughs> romanticize
1: yeah yeah for sure and
0: polyamorous rep is obviously always really good because from what i'm aware i don't think i've ever actually i think i think i've read very few books with it in mainly because i don't think i had really cottoned on to the fact that i think some of the books that i had read i don't even think i realized that there was polyamorous rep in them because i just sort of was like oh no that that seems correct i was just like you yeah, know i'm fine um but <laughs> um I yeah I don't really know um much about that sort of genre I suppose if that's the word I'm looking for um and I don't really know I think but it's good to hear when any kind of representation sort of done well yeah
1: yeah so to go into it a little bit more like it talks about like codependency like manipulation and just possession Mm. of you know of your partner and stuff and it she does a re- st gibson does a really good job of like showing not telling so it's not like super straightforward but if you get it you know if you know you know the girls who get it get it <laughs> but yeah so that's a dowry of blood
0: a dowry of blood a great start and i yeah i i have a feeling this is going to be a really great list to release in october which is where this episode's going to come out yeah, um So what's the second book that you'd be taking with you joining A Dowry of Blood?
1: Um, Another one that I never shut up about is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Have you read this one?
0: I have read this one and it has been picked on the podcast before by I believe Tatiana from the Bookish Banter podcast. Um, Mm. Tell me why you love The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue.
1: So, I have six copies of this book, so there's that. um I've only read it once though, and I tried to reread it and i'm I haven't made it through the reread. I don't know why, but I don't know i the writing, first of all, it's so it's it's so lyrical, it's just it's bookish. um so if you didn't know what this is about, it's i mean I'm sure I, I don't know where you've been if you didn't know what this is about <laughs> but this came out in 2020, and it's about this girl who did not want to conform to like 1700 societal norms um, and didn't want to get married or whatever. So she like prays to the gods and then she she prayed like a few minutes into the dark or whatever. And then so so the devil was essentially what came down and answered her prayers and gave her, so she was like, I want to live a more full life. And he was like, okay. You got it, but no one's going to remember you. I'm going to give you immortality, but as soon as people like leave the room and come back, they're not going to know who you are. So then you follow her for 300 years, and um, yeah, you just see how she copes with that. She like steals and gets away with it and like meets all these people, but of course no one remembers her, and it's really a lonely story. I cried. There's a little bit of a romance in there. Um and then she walks into this bookstore and finds someone who does remember her, and then that's a whole nother part of the story. But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a great concept. It is a really great con.
0: con- yeah, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know what. It is a really great concept. I um, found it really interesting to see how V. Schwab um, addressed the sort of very, very practical and logistical difficulties of people not remembering you when they leave the room because it is so i mean aside from being kind of crushing for adi personally it is like so inconvenient in every aspect of her life it is so difficult for her to just exist yeah. um and uh yeah it's a really interesting book i will say i so i read it because i I'd seen it all over the internet. I'd heard about it. Every single person I knew seemed to be reading it. They were all crying about it. I don't generally cry very often. So I was like, almost took it on as a challenge as if to think, hmm, is this book going to make me cry? It didn't actually make me cry. And I think it's because I was looking for the bit that was going to make me cry so hard that I kind of missed it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel that I've done that before for sure. So yeah. I, it's
0: cuz I was so like primed and ready to um start welling up I just kind of got to the end and I got to like the last scene and I was like oh that's kind of sad but <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't cry about it and I ended up like sort of posting on my Instagram just sort of saying is it me am I broken is there something not right is there a reason why it just didn't um as much as I I really really enjoyed I did enjoy the story I found it so interesting and it's one of those books that like I can say objectively as someone who reads a lot of books it's so well written it's so well crafted um V e. Schwab does such a great job of sort of I think personally of meshing the two um I suppose what well, they're not two timelines but meshing the sort of past and the future and the way she sort of tells the story and I love Henry
1: very very much. Um but... a lot of people like Luke too though. Like a lot of people yeah. with Luke.
0: Okay, so um I like Henry very much because I know I should. Um Luke <laughs> is the epitome of the male love interest that I absolutely love but no I shouldn't.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. He yeah,
0: I um I've grown concerned about my um I think I, I'm so I think I'm so unforgiving in real life when it comes to like morally gray people but when it comes to a fictional character I'm just like yeah no I'd go for yeah
1: <laughs> do what you want it, but like you know that's why that's the reason why it's fiction you know there's a reason why.
0: yeah exactly and I just think I mean there is like a definite sort of type in the kind of uh, love interests that I really really like um, but he- yeah Henry's very much even though I kind of I tell myself I liked him best because I feel like I should but at the same time I think in his own way he had <laughs> maybe as many problems
1: he has his own issues yeah <laughs> but he's very much cinnamon roll and <laughs> luke is pretty much brooding you know yeah
0: <laughs> brooding and not very polite seems to me my um my type <laughs> when it comes
1: to- <laughs> Right, oh my God. but yeah, um, this, this also goes you know talks about the whole like power of a name thing too because uh-huh. she couldn't write her name say her name because no one would remember her so i like that aspect of it as well um I'm trying to think of what else. The, sh- the chapters are extremely short, so it goes by super quickly. I think I read this in like a day or two.
0: I don't remember it taking very long for me to read either. Yeah, I, I definitely think the power of a name thought I always found really. I found it fascinating that as well as sort of taking away people's ability to remember her, they also he also took away ability to sort of share her name, which. I... If they weren't going to remember her anyway, it feels like that was just like really twisting the knife. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, it was just like like they're not going to remember her anyway. So why 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 would you do something like that? But um, I it's like you say, there's there's a symbolism to it that uh, is important. I um yeah, there was parts of this book that actually probably did really get to me more. I think I was probably more upset um immediately after, yeah. I'd probably put a spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode anyway, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, the, the, just her coming to terms with the deal that she's made immediately afterwards and some of the things she has to do to get by, I think probably upset me slightly more, even though I knew they were inevitable. As soon as I realized sort of the true, the true consequences of what she'd done, I was like, no, it feels like this is absolutely where it's going to have to go because like, I I don't know how else it's going to work in the time period that she's in. Um, were you and... shocked
1: by um sorry yeah go on, sure. yeah. okay um were you shocked by henry's reasoning of like why he knew so i actually thought it was
0: so clever because i really didn't see it coming until it was explained i obviously knew that there had to be someone who remembered her and there had to be someone who was different just because I don't like that there was going to be no plot to the book if it just continued to be like just this is how she's lived and then this is how she continues to live and that's the end so I knew there was going to be someone who's different I kind of just hoped it was because he was like special um that was probably (laughs) slightly wishful thinking um but his uh yeah the reasoning behind that I found really interesting and also really really sad because I found it fascinating that um even though he's sort of picture he's sort of portrayed as the devil incarnate Luke he always sort of says like he's not evil he gives people what they want and it's and he's very much just like he's not necessarily on the side of good or bad he's just sort of almost like chaos energy and he just basically just does he just exists he is doing his job (laughs) yeah and he he's just he kind of like almost chafes against the idea that he's like evil he's just like I'm not evil I'm just me um (laughs) um I and I just think I found that really fascinating uh I found their relationship also kind of fascinating because like it's one of those imbalanced power dynamic kind of relationships where technically he's supposed to have all the power, but because of how she's reacted to it, it almost feels like those roles are reversed in some strange way, but it's all, it's interesting. It, it is a really fascinating book and I really like the characters in it. And I like that it is very much focused on those three, even though there are sort of support characters and, um, Hen, yeah, Henry's sort of reasoning and everything behind his sort of character is so interesting as well. And also kind of, just and also really kind of like achingly sad as well because i mean (laughs) addy was angry but i feel like henry was sad and it just was different
1: yeah i didn't realize the synopsis says that she meets henry who remembers her so that's not a spoiler not yeah not a spoiler but um yeah and i think
0: that A lot of what I took from the book, I think one of the reasons I think I probably didn't connect or sympathize with Adi as much as other people did, and not necessarily for a good or bad reason, I just didn't, I didn't really get where she was coming from. I probably sympathized with Henry a little bit more because um, I think a lot of what she wanted was tied to the idea of legacy, and uh leaving behind a mark on the world and i don't know whether i'm just like unambitious or whatever but for me personally i live my life for me and i don't really care as long as the people (laughs) as long as the people in my life are positively impacted by it um Generally speaking, I'm not looking to get into the history books where it very much felt like that, that was Addie's burning desire. she It's not that she wanted to be famous. It's that she wanted to be remembered. And that's kind of what makes her whole situation so much worse. Because
1: That's so true. Yeah. yeah,
0: she didn't want her life to... She wanted her life to mean something. And she didn't want to be forgotten to sort of the annals of time. Like so many women from her era of history, she didn't want to just be someone's wife. And that just be her entire contribution to... The world around her and then yeah and for me whereas for me like i i'm like mm, i'm not i and i'm just i'm just kind of enjoying myself
1: yeah, right just vibing um, yeah another another what no that's not how i wanted to start that sentence um, I wanna <laughs> say, um uh, yeah another another gripe that people have about this book is the whole um like whiteness of the countries that she visits you know that's yeah. the one thing I always hear from people which I understand I totally get um I think there was well Addie was technically Addie was bisexual right oh yeah. yeah yeah and then there was like one black character I believe maybe one other gay character so like she tried with diversity but yeah she could have done a lot better for sure
0: Yeah, the diversity isn't really up there on it and I don't know whether it's just me because I actually, I remember being surprised by that but not because I hadn't noticed it. When I actually read some of the characters in my head when I pictured them, I think I must have ignored their descriptions or something but most of them were people of colour because I was just like, I don't know why, I just like, the guy she
1: meets in France in the cafe, uh... (laughs) I'm so bad at retaining information so like honestly like knowing her knowing some of these characters names is a, is a big deal. yeah
0: I don't remember his name but in my head I definitely think I imagined him as a uh, Donald Glover like a hundred percent like that's just who I pictured and <laughs> I was just like and genuinely I was just like when I read it, got to the end of it I sort of read the book and I didn't see any issues with the diversity because I think I inserted it myself and I don't quite understand how it <laughs> happened um and then when people were talking about how sort of white the history that she chose to incorporate was I was like I, I sort of sat back and thought about it and I was like oh yeah because I don't think I think I was reading things
1: that weren't in the <laughs> book <laughs> that's so funny yeah because she you know 300 years you follow this woman and it's Mm -hmm. like she only went to European countries for the most part so that makes sense that people are bothered by it like I get it
0: yeah so so, I mean aside from my brain just auto-correcting it because they read it I was like no wrong Um, and then just (laughs) and then just like changed it for my own purposes um yeah I it is I suppose yeah disappointing I get that that book is only so long but also it is quite a long book I feel like there definitely could have been like forays into Um, different eras and I don't know whether she was going on I suppose what's logistically practical I mean it was it was 300 years but I and and travel wasn't I guess what it was back then Um, what it is now back then but like it it feels like she would have at least definitely 100% crossed paths with like I mean colonialism like was just like happening and she just never even sort of kind of I mean, there's like a brief mention to the fact that like Britain hasn't arrived in France yet. I think
1: I don't remember. But... Um, I think there's maybe
0: <laughs> something like that is not really um, yeah, it doesn't really address a lot of it, which is is disappointing. Um, I think. I mean, I don't think that she would, and she doesn't have to. But I, sh- I, I, knowing how much that V. E. Schwab sort of researches her books and how much mm-hmm. she sort of writes, and I do know that she sort of edits a lot of it down because I follow her on. Instagram. i feel like she would have like maybe a whole document of sort of additional material for Addie that she wouldn't have made she might not have used in the original one which could i don't know maybe become True. a novella or sort of like in throne of glass they did their sort of anthology of sort of five short stories about aelin before the series started um so I don't know, something like that, but uh, it's it's whether I feel like people definitely would read it because this is a book that people have literally got tattooed on their bodies. Um, i so, was thinking about it. <laughs> Loki
1: was thinking about it, but
0: it's a really great. To be fair, the tattoo is a really great because I didn't connect with the book as personally myself. I haven't dis- thought, but I did think, oh man, I kind of almost wish that I did because that's like a bookish tattoo that isn't obviously a bookish tattoo, and I was just like, that's that is a it's a very good one. So yeah, it's yeah. it. Great, and you. are I mean, I'm not surprised you own six copies because they were all gorgeous. Like every edition that was released was
1: pretty. So, not this turning into a whole Addie Larue review. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's tangents of what we're
0: here for. We're here to talk about the books. But yeah, what is the third book that you would be taking with you um, to add to a book that I think both of them have like majority black covers? So I feel like this is going to be like a very pretty like. <laughs>
1: yeah they're all black covers
0: <laughs> I, that would make a very good uh stack for, <laughs> book stack yeah, for I got
1: my white edition of Addie <laughs> LaRue but I was like oh let me bring my black one and then I was like wait they're not gonna see them anyway yeah, um <laughs>
0: the, the Illumicrate version with the, the black with the white flowers is very pretty
1: it's my it was my favorite of all of them me too my ex got this for me for like $150 and then some of my friends got it for free and I was like Okay. Um, anyway, third book is A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. Um, this one is not so long of a book either, but it's super dense. Um, it's about this 50-year-old. So you're reading from the perspective of this 50-year-old in prison, and you know from the start that she's in prison, but you don't really know why. But you also know that she's a serial killer, mainly from, like towards men, and then but also a cannibal. So Okay. Do go on. (laughs) So it reads almost like a memoir. Like I literally had to check one I had to double check to make sure this is fiction. (laughs) And um (laughs) so it reads like a memoir, so you go through all the men that she's met, all the men that she's killed, and then she's also a big foodie, so she talks about so she like takes like lots (laughs) of foodies. Yeah. yeah so, Food so she takes- okay sorry <laughs> come on. so she takes these body parts and she like makes it into these these like delectable like <laughs> you know top notch culinary recipes, like <laughs> yeah, so she takes the like I don't wanna spoil anything, but she takes this one certain odd body part and she's like i'm gonna make this into like a chicken cavatappi type of recipe and i was like this is intense um (laughs) there it's so messed up it's it's so good (laughs) (laughs) the writing is impeccable and like the re the reason i picked up this book in the first place like i've never heard about this book um until I was shelving books when I first started working at a library shelving books I was in the new section and then I picked this book up because I've never heard about it and like this cover with the mm. with the heart like come on um I opened it I opened to it randomly this is how I find like hidden gems people sometimes ask me like how do you find these books no one's ever talked about so I just opened to book I open books randomly and I just read a page and the page that I turned to was chapter 18 and it was titled hot dog and then I read the first page and look at that the whole almost the whole page is highlighted right <laughs> it talks about like love and it goes into it, it elaborates on love and all these like profound ways and i was like okay sold and as like on the clock i'm like buying it on amazon right Mm -hmm. so yeah that's how i thought of this book but i think um i think it started as an audible original and then i don't know but i highly recommend this one if you're into like that type of horror but also literary fiction with good writing
0: Oh, I bet if it's written like a memoir I bet the or if it's an audible audiobook I bet that's really good they do a good job of that kind of style of writing mm-hmm. I wonder oh I wonder what actress they would have got for a, a foodie cannibal such as <laughs> this woman I, I like the idea of I mean she's a serial killer uh and I like that she's a serial killer of men and I know that probably sounds um uh,
1: <laughs> Concerning, uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the, I I always forget what the uh, word that means the opposite of uh, misogyny, but uh, there's <laughs> <laughs> misandry. I think it's called. Yeah, so it's probably uh, I think that's what it's called. Um,
1: oh, I don't know. The so word it,
0: word. it means it means men hating basically in the same way misogyny means women hating. But um, I listen to so my a uh, past guest of the podcast Ruby uh, is on a podcast called Nerdamuses, which is our sort of true crime podcast where her and her friends chat about serial killers and just you know murders and stuff and that sort of thing and they just just talk about them and tell the stories from start to finish and generally speaking um I mean it's it it's not like women don't murder people that's that's absolutely not true but like it's usually men and uh I I don't know I think it's interesting to hear I suppose I mean in true equality that women can be just as awful as men if they really really want to be like it's you know equal opportunity serial killing so um (laughs) yeah it's great to have it I suppose explored from a different angle and yeah i would be interested to know what kind of research the
1: author did for this because right. uh, how how do you research cannibal yeah like i said i had to double check cuz it it she made it so believable um i had to check if she was i don't remember if she was actually a foodie in real life at the very least um i had to do my research to see if she's actually killed anyone like it it's intense it's that good of writing um yeah, it's a very fame, femme fatale. I never, I never yes. know if I say that correctly. Sort of um, black widow kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: I that's it, it. Sounds interesting. I think I would. I'm such a baby when it comes to horror, really. Um, and I it would probably give me nightmares, but I'm I'm almost tempted to maybe get the audiobook because, um, <laughs> I am kind of interested now because I I think the fact that it feels like it could be real is even scary. <laughs>
1: true yeah and the twist at the end is really good because I didn't see it coming um Mm. yeah that's all I'm gonna say there's also a wiener dog scene (laughs) not animal abuse there's no animal abuse but yeah the the wiener dog scene is is one that stands out to me for sure if you know you know
0: (laughs) I feel like in a book about a (laughs) <laughs> Female serial killer who's also a cannibal, um, and um, makes different delicacies and foods with the body parts of her victims. I feel like there are some things that were kind of inevitable. There were some things that it was like, well, you've got to try it. Haven't you? if you're already down this path anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> like, oh. I mean, it's a wasted opportunity if you don't exist in at least in the <laughs>
1: I'm crying.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, So, yeah, very dark sort of uh, horror-y, but also, I don't know, like, I mean, Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, I definitely feel like it kind of falls into, like, a dark sort of spooky kind of fiction just because, like, I mean, the atmosphere of that book is so like that. So I feel like it's got a really cool theme so far. Um, What is the fourth book on your list?
1: Um, Okay, so... (laughs) this one i I don't even know how to go into this because i i can see how this one is a little bit problematic because okay well let me just go into it it's looking for alaska by john green right okay so (laughs) um i could see the whole like romanticizing um depression and smoking and all the things that are in this book i get it but this just personally from a personal standpoint this book I read this I don't know how many times I've reread this but it's basically shaped me okay to who I am today. Um it just it when I first read this it was like early high school and it just made me feel so seen with how so Alaska's a girl if listeners don't know. Alaska's a girl. Um and this guy Miles is a very like quirky, awkward, lanky kid and he goes to this summer School. No, I think it's like it's just a school in Alabama. Um, and then he meets this girl, Alaska, and she's very much the opposite of him. She's very reckless, impulsive, um, does drugs, uh, drinks a lot, like skips class, like all all the stuff that he's not. But he's, of course, extremely intrigued by this woman. And so he he like joins their friend group and everything. And yeah, so it just, and then there's a, like a, so the chapters are like 100 something days before, and then you get to the after part, but you don't find out what before and after means until the second half of the book, and it's honestly really freaking sad. This one made me cry too, Um, and yeah, I just, I felt so seen because of, like, I was like, oh, it's not just me who copes with things this way, or like, acts out this way um as a teenager and um and like it just made me feel so validated when i was younger um yeah because obviously like i would always get in not obviously but my mom (laughs) obviously would get mad at me when i would get into trouble of any sort so i was just like okay there's a reason there's a psychological reason behind my actions here (laughs) So that's why this book means a lot to me and I've already reread it enough times to know that I will reread it again on a remote island in Scotland (laughs) or whatever.
0: Well, this has actually been picked on the podcast before by our past guest, River, and I have not read it because I'm not, I've never, I've not really read any John Green. I tried The Fault in Our Stars and could not get past chapter seven. Um, Very fair. And I think it's because he deals with sad subjects. And I know he deals with them very well, but I don't deal with sad subjects very well. So um, I think that's why I avoid him. Um, although I do think... Is it... Uh, which is the one? that Paper, paper Towns? Paper Towns, yeah. I think I watched the movie for that, and I thought that was pretty good. Um, but looking for Alaska, I've sort of heard a lot about it, and I find yeah, what you see interesting about... Um, the, I don't think... The, Dealing with difficult subjects and also the things that teenagers just do because a lot of teenagers do just they just do these things, and I think the idea of pretending that they don't for the purposes of fiction is kind of um like ridiculous. The idea that oh you can't write about these things because it might give people ideas is just you know yeah stupid because a lot of people read these never read books about <laughs> about these sort of things and they still do them. So exactly. um it's the it, like actually digging into them is probably a smarter idea of dealing with it because I think I mean the whole point of emotional intelligence is understanding why you do the things you do it doesn't it's not to stop you from doing them it's if you understand the emotions and the things that that make you do things or how you cope with things it helps you understand yourself better and then if you want to stop to doing them you can if you want yeah. to yeah so- <laughs> um
1: this this book actually has gotten banned from a lot of schools and john green john green's a great person in general i've read all his books um this one is unlike anything he's um written i believe in my opinion um but (laughs) this one's definitely like darker than the others but um what was i gonna say he made a video uh about like addressing the whole like banning looking for alaska and stuff because there's this one scene he specifically mentions um you could edit this out if it's too provocative or whatever but he, he, uh, what he <laughs> but he talks about um this blowjob scene okay and he's like he's like yeah i've heard that like people are banning it because of the scene and it's like it wasn't me saying that your kids are gonna you know, I'm telling your kids to give blowjobs or whatever, like she wasn't even actually doing the thing. She didn't know how to do it. She just kept her mouth there and had to ask for help from Alaska because she knew how to do it. Spoiler alert. But, But yeah, so like John Green was like, yeah, she wasn't even doing the damn thing. And you guys are banning it. And I'm just addressing these things that teenagers do and like and putting humor to it and whatever it's a really mm. good video it's like three minutes long if you just search like john green looking for alaska ban or whatever on youtube yeah. you'll find it but
0: i mean yeah i'm surprised that that
1: is the thing that got it banned just well, because I mean, there's, there's drugs and alcohol and stuff and swearing and stuff too but yeah. yeah but i mean like if i
0: think about something like 13 reasons why for instance it's kind of like a lot of people I think I think books have to become popular for this to sort of happen to them people like as kids start reading them and enjoying them and then they come to the like the view of adults because I I feel like there are so many books especially in like like not necessarily school libraries but there are a lot of books that are like out there and easily accessible by young people that have got so much more wrong with them I mean like I know it's not exactly on the same level but I mean there is like distinctly harmful things in so much literature that I remember being able to just pick up in my school library that I was just like really that's that's where you're going to draw the line exactly like no one asking
1: you to put it in your curriculum you know (laughs) you don't have to (laughs) teach it it's just (laughs) that exactly so and also (laughs) that just sort of
0: exemplifies um how much adults forget about when they get older because I um not speaking from personal experience, but there is a time when people don't understand how uh, certain sexual things happen or work or to do them. Like, you know, it's not something it's not instinctual knowledge you're just born with. And that's like probably really relatable for a lot of people who read things that's because it. like it's not just something you know. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's just He makes a
1: good I point. don't know. Yeah
0: yeah people it's nice for people to be seen for even like the negative what people perceive to be the sort of negative or embarrassing or not as good parts of themselves reflected to them in media like it's you don't want every character to be some sort of paragon of perfectness and Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and everything because like no one actually really feel well no one I know actually really feels <laughs> that about themselves. I'm not going yeah. <laughs> to... Maybe there is someone out there who does, but um, no one of my acquaintance is quite so self-deluded, I don't think. Not not even if they tell everyone that they are. Yeah, um, very great. So, Looking for Alaska is your fourth.
1: What is the fifth and final book that you'll be taking with you? I realise now that all of these are white authors, so oops but um bunny by Mona what Sorry. I was going to I, I I think when you go in
0: sort of statistics with um a lot of the books out there I don't think you can be blamed for that necessarily but I yeah know. Go on. But as,
1: as you know as someone who's not white I just I always notice these things that I do <laughs> but um bunny by Mona wad is my last last pick here um so this one is actually the book that remind like a cosmology of monsters has reminded me of. A cosmology of monsters was giving bunny vibes, okay, <laughs> because of the whole fever dream thing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this book, but I, I have heard of it because uh-huh.
0: books is it books with Chloe? Like uh-huh. she loves this book, and I don't, I don't. I'm saying that like I know her personally. I I don't. I just I follow her because her content's great, mm-hmm. and this book comes up all the time and it's another book that I just associate with
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah I think her patreon's that theme too so um but yeah so this so there's like a lot of deeper undertone things in this that people don't see at the surface I didn't see it on the surface at first um I just read it for what it is at face value but basically it's dark academia this girl I don't even remember what university it was but she's in an mfa program um and she meets essentially it's like it's a very culty group of girls right it's basically it's a sorority okay it's like yeah i I got that
0: from cult yeah
1: (laughs) i wasn't sure how you felt about that thing so um we don't have them
0: here oh no (laughs) They are something distinctly um, American that I would say we don't necessarily understand.
1: I don't understand. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they call each other bunny. And honestly, it gets annoying at some point. But like, I don't even know how to explain this. Like, it just feels like you you won't know what's going on. To the very end, you won't know what's going on. I will admit, I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, but it was just such a fun time, like heads were exploding, like all these <laughs> random things were happening. And I didn't know why. But then when I, I I watched this review of, I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about like the deeper meanings and how it related to writers and how their minds work and things like that. So then I grew a better, you know, a bigger appreciation for it. I've only read this once, but yeah that's that's pretty much what goes on i i don't i don't know it's it's weird it's a very weird niche book (laughs) i like the books that people can't
0: explain i think i really enjoy it when someone can't give me a synopsis because i don't read the 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 synopsis of books usually like i don't read because i find that it gives it away half the time so like i just i i tend to go off recommendations a lot of the time the cover and then like <laughs> the author if it's one I've read uh, someone I've read before and um I just go on that someone and uh, so I find it really I'm always really intrigued when it's a book that someone's like I just you got to read it you've just got to read it because like <laughs> I can't explain it to you. you just it's just trust me you've got to read it um <laughs> yeah. the idea of them all calling each other bunny is just making me remember so I've never seen the movie Heathers but I only know about That's what people compare it to, yeah. Yeah, but I only know about that because of um season two of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Um because see so some of the contestants form their own sort of clique where they all call each other Heather um because of the movie heathers and it's a joke that they have and that's literally the only connection i have to that pop culture reference um <laughs> because i love rupaul's drag race but uh yeah i in yeah interesting i find i do find books about sororities quite because it, it's just yeah it's a different concept we have like societies in university over here but they are absolutely they're just like clubs they're like extracurricular clubs um they don't form part of your identity as much as sororities and fraternities as far as I'm aware (laughs) seem to do yeah
1: it could never be me I don't know if it's it's technically not it just says a clique of unbearably twee rich girls who call each other bunny and seem to move and speak as one I don't even know what that means but um (laughs) But yeah, like, I just, it's not, I know it's not for everyone, so I don't recommend it to everybody, but, you know, if you're, if it seems like something you're into, I would but give it a shot. It's, it's a, it's a vibe. It's it's, <laughs> it's a vibe, for sure. If you want to be highly confused.
0: <laughs> I mean, the people who love it, love it. So there's definitely something uh, def- uh, going on there. And I, I think it's strange because it is a very sort of, I would, classified as kind of almost like a girly cover there's a lot of it's like it's pink it's got a bunny on it it's called bunny I just think the way it's portrayed a thingy but I I remember seeing it and even when I didn't know anything about it even before you sort of described it to me I was like I know this is a dark book I don't need to like you could just look at it and it's just you read it and you just look at the cover and it's like yeah no this isn't there's there's something darker going on here, and I can't put my finger on. The yeah. design of the cover is so good because it definitely get, portrays that without actually True.
1: portraying it's like, it. It's like plain bad heroines too, with the UK cover being bright. Is it yellow or pink too? Um, plain Maybe. bad heroines, yeah, with the B. I don't know, but yeah, it gives the same the same vibe. Yeah. Well. Um, Just for the listeners, um,
0: do you want to just run through all five of your books before we talk about any honorable mentions, just so that they can have the list in their mind if they want to go and check any of them out?
1: For sure. So the first one was A Dowry of Blood by S.T. Gibson. Second was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. And then A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. Looking for Alaska by John Green. And then Bunny by Mona Awad.
0: A very great october list i think that's honestly it's it's as if it's as if it was intentional i mean it obviously was i i was like i was like you know who's got a perfect october list that i've never heard of before because she's not shared it with me jan jan knows Um, i was like that's who i'm gonna that's who i'm gonna have on that day um so um those are your five picks but were there any books that um you almost picked or you wanted to pick but didn't for whatever reason
1: yes um so the secret history was one by Donna Tart. um I know she is also kind of problematic nowadays but um yeah I I can't lie that I i can't deny that i like that i loved that book it took me four days to read a 600 page book that had eight chapters and i hate long chapters
0: oh yeah there's a long those those chapters are too long (laughs)
1: Yeah, ridiculous it was like 600 pages um but yeah that one's also dark academia you know who you know that there was a murder involved or going on in the beginning but you don't know who or how so that was that was a good concept um Acts of Desperation by Megan Nolan was another one. That was on my top 10 of 2021. Um, That one's also very, very dark and all about toxic relationships and almost written like a memoir too. Um, That one also made me cry. (laughs) sensing a theme. (laughs) There's a theme here, yeah. There's a pattern for sure. Normal People Also Made Me Cry Um, (laughs) by Sally Rooney. Um, Loved the show, hated the... I I, okay so first I read this on my phone and I couldn't get through it because I was new to the whole she doesn't use quotation marks thing I was like can't do it yeah so but now I've read all her books because I'm used to it but then I was like let me just watch the show and see what's up watch the show cried loved it (laughs) I'm a cancer okay I cry a lot (laughs) And then I was like, okay, let me listen to the audiobook now that I could put faces to names and I and the audiobook narrator has an Irish accent. So it was a whole thing. Cried again, the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And then I read, it, I read it physically this year, finally. Um, and yeah, absolutely loved it. So that one's also about a kind of toxic <laughs> relationship. Oh, my God. Okay, we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a, so
0: I've not read to hit normal people, but I um have heard because obviously they they're making one of our other books into a show, aren't they? Um, conversations with oh, friends. conversations with
1: friends. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to see. I'm I'm looking at my favorite books <laughs> right now. So to get a splash of color in there, you know, we have The Keeper of Night by Kylie Lee Baker. That one is a YA fantasy set in Tokyo. I believe. Ooh, um, and she's this Japanese Shinigami, half Japanese Shinigami, half British Reaper. And she it's like a whole like identity, biracial identity thing. Um, but like, that's one of the very few fantasies that I could in, like visualize things. I'm a very bad visualizer when it comes to books. And I don't know what it is. But there's a there's a name for it it's called aphantasia mm-hmm. but like also those people apparently like can't dream but i dream all the time so i don't know what it is <laughs> but <laughs> but there's that and then open water by Caleb Azuma-Nelson um that one's super short super quick very poetic um and sad ending i think i think i cried <laughs> too um and yeah, it just it explores love really well. And it's a very simple story, but it hits for sure. So those are my runner-ups.
0: <laughs> I find the concept of, like, just what you said about visual I find that really interesting just because... Um, so I can't do that when I'm reading. When I'm reading, like, physically, when I'm looking at the words, like, I see the words and that's kind of enough. I almost don't need sort of the images. But when I'm listening to audiobooks podcasts anything like that um I can visualize stuff really easily because it's almost as if like my eyes are free because I'm using my ears instead so then
1: yeah.
0: I still sort of I, I'm quite a sort of visual person in terms of like I and I use my hands a lot you 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 have seen during the recording <laughs> I talk with my hands <laughs> um but I find that really interesting because I, I I can't do it when I'm reading. Um, like Basically. words but i can do it when i'm listening to things mm. so that's yeah sounds really interesting and those seem like really great books to also check out if people wanted to um as honorable mentions i if listeners wanted to come and hear more recommendations about more books that uh, may have made you cry and <laughs> 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 and had other themes in them. Um but also books that don't cuz you know it, it they, there's there's range. Um <laughs> what uh, where could they come and uh check out your recommendations and
1: reviews. So Jan Agaton is my channel, AGATON. There you go, I spelled it. Um and then yeah, also my Instagram. I just have one like I don't have a separate book club Instagram or anything. So those are mainly where I post. Um I do have a Goodreads but those are linked in my um, like video descriptions and I'm trying to, I, I haven't kept up with my blog, so forget it, (laughs) but, but yeah. Well, that's
0: really great. I recommend everyone go and check John out. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I say, I love her Instagram. Uh, It's great. So Mm -hmm. yeah, go check it out. And uh, if you want to check out the podcast, uh, we are, wherever you're listening to it now so wherever podcasts are found we're also on YouTube um because I know some people prefer to listen to their podcasts on YouTube and uh we are at books to last pod on Twitter and Instagram although I am not using Twitter at the moment because Mm. I spent five minutes on it yesterday and it reminded me why I don't use Twitter anymore (laughs)
1: Yeah, I just made a new one because I locked myself out of my old one I didn't even know book twitter was a thing until like this year so I was like let me just make a whole new one
0: yeah book twitter was like my intro to the book community I think I sort of did blogging and then it was book twitter that sort of was my first foray into the social media aspect mm-hmm. um, and book twitter is amazing it's just the fact that you have to come into contact with the rest of twitter to get to it is the problem <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I yeah I literally spent all of five minutes on there and I i think i saw i don't even remember i think i've blocked it out of my mind it was just a post about something and i was just like there's mm. a reason i don't come on here anymore <laughs> so i yeah there are auto posts over there but you can follow the podcast because the podcast posts there even if i don't mm-hmm. um and yeah instagram at books to last pod um so yeah go check us out go check Jan out and uh thanks for listening folks thank you so much for joining us Good it's been it's been so much fun. I had so much fun, yeah. Thank you. And yeah, I hope everyone is having a great, still having a great autumn slash fall wherever you are in the world, whatever you call it, um, <laughs> spooky season, whichever. Um, and yeah, until next time. Bye for now. Bye.